0: And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR, with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys.
1: Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 243 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on August 20th, 2020. And with me as always, my good friend, my colleague, and the next Postmaster General, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Now, why do you have to start a show
0: by <laughs> yanking my chain like that? You know that's a sensitive... Topic. I got really? a
1: lot, of, I got is a lot it, of.
0: Is it because is, you were turned down for
1: the postmaster general no, job? I mean, I know you were really hot
0: for it. I have a lot of Christmas cards that need to go out. I <laughs> need to make sure <laughs> holiday cards they need to go to the right people at the right time. Right. So you need to start mailing them now. Need because to start. Uh, yeah. Need to start now. Yes, absolutely. And I'm making my list and checking it twice. I'm sure. Are you really the, fantastic? The Rose household will get a holiday card this
1: year. Oh, wonderful! I can't wait so. for that family photo card. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. Yeah.
0: And I just wanted everyone to. I I mean, everyone knows you're in L.A. and that you are, are marked safe from the apocalypse that's happening in California right now.
1: <laughs> right. Well, if if 2020 couldn't be any more 2020-er, um, yes, indeed, we're having unfun, let's just call it that way, um, fires up in Northern California. So, uh, yes, I have a brother-in-law up there and many, many friends and clients up in that uh, neck of the woods, and it's, yeah, it's no good. Um, as I was telling you uh, in the pre-show chat, we, um, you know, this is a little different um, than the fires we typically get in the late fall, uh, which are typically fueled by very dry, what we call the Santa Ana uh, or sundowner winds. And this is lightning. Um, We've had, actually, the good news is we've had quite a bit of rain um, in California this year and avoided the usual drought like conditions. But um, the thunderstorms and the heat uh, that uh, have fueled those thunderstorms has fueled lightning, which has, of course, fueled some of the fires that we're seeing there. So they're happening in places that they don't normally happen. Um, and that's why you're seeing a lot of populated areas get, you know, hit and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's very unfortunate. Um but uh but you know, we will <laughs> like everything else in 2020, we will get through it. We will it's we will It's always yeah,
0: it's always something, especially in California.
1: That's why we love California, so. Well, much. you know, I mean, look, it it you know, there was an earthquake. It, it, it you know, in uh, in Virginia, um, uh, or was it Virginia, or was it uh, West Virginia? Was it, oh, anyways, was, no, 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 it was North Carolina. North Carolina, right. North Carolina, it was North yeah. Carolina. There was an earthquake. There was, you know, what do they call it? Uh, uh, that, that thing that happened in Iowa, the DECA or the DECALA or whatever it is. That's that sort of on-land hurricane. <laughs> You've heard about this? I, I don't think I've heard about this. I haven't yeah, been this paying is, attention. Yeah, it's this is the... Uh, Uh, it's, it's like a, a, a big hurricane. Um, and and it's, uh, the Derrico is what it's called. I just looked it up and, and basically it hits, uh, maybe once every couple of years. Um, and basically it's, it's, it's like an inland hurricane. It's that powerful. And it rolled through Iowa, um, a couple of months ago, a month ago now it looks like. Yeah. So no, it's not just California. It's everywhere. (laughs)
0: Well, you know, yeah, you know, things are tough when when Iowa's in the news. Yeah, right. Love to you all our
1: for an inland family. hurricane, right? You yeah. know the, you know, uh, there's a great meme going around. I don't know if you've seen it, where it's there's there's a bunch of murder hornets sort of sitting around a table, and they're like, "Yeah, we're just gonna sit this year out. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're, just I, we're gonna give them a break. Yeah. <laughs> it's like enough. Enough has happened. <laughs> oh, any good news going on? I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, it's been a it's been a busy uh, summer here, um, which has been which has been good. I, I'm I'm uh, I'm enjoying the uh, the busyness of work, um, which has been, you know, a nice distraction, to be honest, you know, from the politics and the sort of general natural disaster. Ex- that exactly. 2020's been. Which which yeah, it's probably good to, to stay off most of social media. At this point, I, you know kind I've been of, thinking kind of about bide it. your time. I've been thinking about it. I, you know, especially Facebook. You know, as I scroll through Facebook, it seems to be the. It's a little like Groundhog Day, right? You know, oh, yeah, there's that post from that person who's talking about and complaining about that thing. Oh, yeah, sure. There's that weird post from that yeah. guy who's talking about that fake news. Oh, yeah, sure. There's that guy trying to be funny with a meme. You know, it's like it's the same. It's just same like Groundhog mode. Day. Every There's yeah. nothing really new that the only thing that gets me excited at all is sort of seeing. You know, pictures of kids, right? You know, like, I, I see a picture of you and Pam at a drive-in movie theater, and I go, oh, that's exciting. That's Yay, something. That's the kind of,
0: yeah. That's, that's what I want to see, thing. you know what I yeah, mean? that's it's like, what, you know, It's it, and it's so, because you know, I, I hardly ever post anything that's not, oh, here's the kids, here's my family, something right. fun we're doing. Yeah. yeah. And I saw the, not ranting, but I'm just telling you the story. I, I saw the thing on their auctioning, auctioning off the land in Alaska, they're formally pushing this through our government right now for oil drilling rights. Oh yeah, you got my and wife I, and, all all excited. Well, about that and one. I, yeah. I don't, I don't post anything political, which I didn't think this was super political, but apparently it is. I just said, look, we have a we have too much oil in the world right now. We have we've actually stopped producing oil in U.S. rigs right now because. There's way too much overcapacity. The demand going out is not looking good. It looks like demand will continue to go down year after year, and yet we're going to open up and drill into our natural resources for no reason. There's no reason, no business reason to do this. And I said, this makes no sense to me. That's all I'm saying. And of course, (laughs) I get the flood, the flood of certain people saying... My, it's not this. It's not that. It's not certain people. It's not certain presidents. I'm like, hey, I am i didn't say anything about anybody. All I said was, this makes no sense to me. It's, and it doesn't. You can't it, convince me otherwise.
1: It, it There's no sensible reason to do right. that. Yeah, it wouldn't so. make sense if anybody did it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't care.
0: And that's what they're like. They're like, oh, it's not, it's Congress. It's not the president. It's not this. And I said, I don't care who it is. I'm not calling out anybody in particular besides, I guess, the government. I said, this is something we should not be doing. It makes no sense to do it. If there's no demand, why would you? Hurt the environment that way.
1: Yeah, but see, you made the you you, you made the, the 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 one of the two biggest mistakes. The yeah, first is never fight a land war in Greenland, but the second is to never bring logic to a Facebook fight. You can't. Yeah, I know. You, you can't. See, win and that's that. why
0: that's the point is I shouldn't be on there in the first place. Right. But if I'm gonna be on there, I just have to you know post emojis, happy pictures. Loving memes, pictures of cats, (laughs) orange things, and rainbows.
1: That's it. Well, yeah. So,
0: anyways... On another,
1: uh, did we have any? We did actually. News yes. Speaking week, of fuzzy perhaps? orange things and memes and and, yeah. and all of those things, we actually did have some news to talk about this week. Um, and uh, you know, it doesn't start out with any good news, but I think there's good news to be had in this week's show for sure. For those looking for some sunrises on the horizon, as it were, the the first one uh, that we'll cover here as our uh, first segment at the top of the show where we're sort of setting a theme, setting a mood, if you will, um, is comes to us courtesy of Axios. Uh, and um, basically, the newsroom is really suffering right now. So uh, the headline here that we'll link to in the show notes, of course, is newsrooms abandoned as the pandemic drags on. And uh, the article opens up by saying, facing enormous financial pressure And uncertainty around reopenings, media companies are giving up on their years-long building leases for more permanent work-from-home structures. Others are letting employees work remotely for the foreseeable future." Uh, the Axios and their sort of standard structure says, why does this matter? Well, real estate is often the most expensive asset that media companies own. And for companies that don't own their space, it's often the biggest expense. The Orlando Sentinel said Wednesday that it is officially leaving the downtown office building it's had for 69 years. Um, and uh, Tribune publishing also announced on Wednesday, it has permanently closed its headquarters in Manhattan for the storied tabloid, The Daily News, um, which brings up Billy Joel songs and all of that. But mm-hmm. um, uh, so what do you think about this? I mean, is this important or is this just the way of the world in 2020 that we're all sort of working from home now and that's the way the news is going to get delivered? Well, I think the first thing is, and you brought this up
0: last time, we, we talked about it years ago, is you know, how for how many decades were major newspapers, media companies, magazines making way too much money, kind of like what tech companies are now, right? Right, yep. And, and we talked about from you know, starting in the 90s where those media companies started to right size, which means that they would get a reasonable operating profit instead of the gargantuan profits that they were getting. Well, when they were getting the gargantuan pro- pro- uh, profits, what did they do? They went and bought the most expensive real estate in the most expensive cities in the world. So now that they are just regular businesses trying to make a living, uh, they need to get rid of this real estate. So one, it's, I think it's just smart. And for the ones that I can't believe actually some of these businesses didn't do this sooner. Like I didn't know. What was the one that moved into, uh, into the new one in New York City? Was it um, Conde Nast? Yes, then that's they right. move into. Yeah, they moved from one trade center. Yeah, from one World Trade Center. Yeah, okay, that's right. I, I just want to let's just make sense of this move. This is another thing we just thought this makes no sense to me. Condé Nast, which most of their publications and brands were on the downside, and they're trying to figure out a whole new business model. You know what? Let's go move into one World Trade Center. That makes sense. Yeah. What? Right. They signed a twenty-five year lease beginning in two thousand fourteen. 2014 they knew exactly where they were going to be in 2020 regardless of pandemic. That's right. So this is just bad business decisions that are coming to roost right now. So okay, I feel bad about the whole thing. They shouldn't wish they wouldn't have done some of these things. But my question is and cuz a lot of these are local too like Miami Herald and a lot of the you know Chicago Tribune, they're national but local does what what happens to a big newspaper or big media local media company when they don't have a physical presence i mean i'm just i'm asking i don't have an answer like is well, it important I, for them to have a physical presence I, I, in the I, city that they're yeah. covering
1: i you know you wonder if it i mean you know you sort of have the vision of you know that you you always saw in the movies right you know you'd see in like all the president's men and stuff like that of you know the dramatic you know, running through the newsroom, you know, with all of the reporters sitting in a big, you know, huddle and, you know, you have the the, the machines going and it's loud and it's, you know, it's it, it feels like a newsroom, right? You sort of, without that, um, do, you, do you need that? In other words, do you need that sort of hive of activity in today's world? And the short answer is, of course, no, you don't, but... You know, you ask yourself, do you need some of that collaboration that you get from an in-person, you know, uh, experience as an employee? I I think the answer is still no. You know, what has we talked about this, many over many shows over the last few months, which is this is a change to your point about bad business decisions. This is the change that was coming anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, with it the number accelerated. Of, right. Yeah. With the number of freelancers that newsrooms were starting to employ with the number of, you know, employee layoffs that they had. Those newsrooms were looking pretty sparse anyway. Uh, and so the, the you know, the 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 acceleration of change to say, well, now the Miami Herald or Condé Nast or, you know, they're all virtual organizations. And by gosh, they probably should be at this point. Um, you know, is, is just a, is just the new reality cool. of, of what a media company looks like. You know, you just, you don't need all those people in the same room anymore. And I, you know, in the history of it and sort of, you know, if I, I go downtown here in LA and see the LA Times building, which is, you know, one of the most iconic buildings in downtown Los Angeles. And, you know, it's been largely empty. Um, for, you know, a while. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think this is sort of the documentation, as it were, of something that was happening in slow motion. And now is just, you know, because of COVID is now happening at at speeds we can actually see, right, we can actually observe.
0: It's interesting. I mean, I mean, you already brought this up. So if there is no competitive advantage for a content group to be in one area, it used to have to be that way, right? I mean, if you were putting together a print publication, you needed to all, you needed multiple people to be close to each other to get it done. You just had to 30 years ago. You didn't have technology to do it. Right. Now, if you're saying that you don't need for, you know, you, you can work out work workflow and process issues and you don't have to be next to each other, which most of us are learning that that's just the way to go, then it puts, there's no... There's no real competitive advantage for any one particular company. Maybe there never was, in the, at least in the past 30 years. And so, if you're starting a media company or a content group of any kind, you shouldn't have an office. You, why do you need to create the extra expense of the office environment?
1: Right. You can go and, meet anywhere. And by the way, this is the same, we're going to see the same thing happen, I predict. With radio, with television, with, um, you know, with many of the media companies, you've already started to see it in television, right? Where TV news used to have to be, you know, all together because of the technology and the way that things worked. You went to a studio and you sat next to your co-anchor and you basically did, you know, your show from on a stage. And we're starting to see now that... That's not really true either. You don't need, you know, you don't, you know, you can pull off, you know, some would say a suboptimal experience, right? So if you look at the John Olivers or you look at the late night shows, or you look at, you know, some of the comedy things that are being done from home, and you go, eh, it's not the same to see them, you know, and in their apartment on Zoom. Um, but, you know, I watched some of the morning shows like CBS This Morning, you know, and they've been doing remote for since March, where at least one of them is not in the studio, and sometimes all three of them are not in the studio, and it works. It, it's yep. it, it, it's just as good as as it was when they were all three in the studio, and you just don't need it anymore. And so having that, you know, having a virtual organization that creates content um, is is going to, you know, is going to spread very, very quickly, I think.
0: Well, the other thing, and, you know, you're sort of picking up on this, the value of live is not as valuable as it used to be for most shows, outside of why well, I, I don't know about that I don't know about that'm just yeah. no, I'm just saying I'm just just look, okay, go 50 years ago. Everything you watched was on at that time. Of course, live. And then you had a lot of pre-production shows. And so you've been moving this again. This is nothing new. This is just the trend. Now 99.5% of all content consumed is pre-produced. Outside of sporting events, late night talk shows, and some news. Everything else, which is the majority of stuff that people are watching on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Hulu, all those are pre-produced. That's the trend that's been happening. That trend is still moving forward. Now you could say they were gonna have a comeback a little comeback on live, but it's
1: I don't think so. I, I I okay, I agree with you, right? So on that on that point. The dis- what we have to distinguish is the difference between live and real time, right? And what I mean by that is there's a difference between that which is pre-done but is only available in the moment versus that which is live and only available in the moment you know what i mean in in other words if i go dump there's a difference between i go dump uh you know nine episodes of my show or my event or whatever and you can watch it whenever you want it just happens to be available on xyz day right you know we're dumping it all on xyz day but really you go watch it whenever you want or I've got an episode and it's only going to be available to you on this day. And and maybe it's available to watch later or you know in in linear time or not, right? And so, you know, award shows, for example, right? Are are great, you know, many of them are pre-recorded, but they're only available on this day. Sporting events will I think are 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 mostly for the, you know, live, but you know you, you you're you're not going to go dump a whole season of football and then make it available right you know yeah. so so there's sort of that live which is mostly what broadcast television is these days award shows sporting events and news and then you have and and then you have sort of the 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 sort of real time out there which might be things like you know Ellen DeGeneres's show or, you know, or daytime talk shows Pre-produce. or, you know, yeah. or all those kinds of things are only available for a very limited time, but they are pre-recorded. And then you have the stuff that's just like, you know, you watch whenever the hell you want, right?
0: And, and that's 99.5% of what people are doing that, and that's going to be 99.9% of the stuff. And you're always going to have some live, I'm assuming. But I guess what I'm saying is, like everything else we talked, like just the real estate thing, it's all moving to pre-produced. You don't have to be in the same location. You can get talent from everywhere, anywhere in the world. And why some of these
1: decisions were made in real estate are beyond me. But there <laughs> Well, there you have it.
0: There you have yes. it. Yeah.
1: There you have it. Bad, bad. I mean, it's bad. I think it's exactly like you said. It's right-sizing, right? It's right-sizing the business. They're they're finally sort of, the as you said, it's coming to roost. It's coming to mm-hmm. roost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: No more twenty-five year leases, folks. Boy, like, I don't oh, know. That's yeah. that doesn't happen. Shouldn't happen <laughs>
1: anymore. Okay, so the show or the the article that we're pairing with that is sort of the flip side of this um, in the newsroom business, or at least from a business model standpoint. This comes to us courtesy of thedrum.com, and it's about The Washington Post, and it says, Our priority cannot be to sell advertising, says The Washington Post, as they rethink their revenue stream in lockdown. Um, the Washington Post article, uh, or excuse me, the drum article opens up by saying, there's a new commercial playbook in place at Jeff Bezos' Washington Post since the lockdown evaporated its usual ad market, and it's built around brands showing their utility in the wider world. I guess I went to, I wish there was a name for that. I wish there was <laughs> a, a concept for that if idea. If only. Brands creating content to show their utility in the wider world. Anyway, the article opens up by saying the posts chief revenue officer, joy Robbins puts it. Our first priority can't be to sell advertising. Instead. She says it wants its partners to leverage its content production and brand trust. Gosh, this is sounding so familiar. Um, Robbins took up the Chief Revenue Officer role in February 2019 and created the WP, uh, Washington Post, WP Brand Studio, which includes ad tech, event sponsorship, video, audio, programmatic, um, all kinds of agency-like services. um, And each of these has experienced change. Um, And as the article goes on to describe, one of the biggest changes is how they are starting to deliver Original content programs focused on brand purpose, delivering that for brands and using the Washington Post brand as a trust basis to deliver some of those purpose-driven content uh, experiences for brands for money. And it's become one of their bigger uh, opportunities as they, as they see it. What say you, Joe Polizzi? Is this just yet another content studio that has to execute well, or do they have something worth chatting about? Well, uh, we shoot, how many times have we talked about yeah, this?
0: I, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm honestly torn because, of course, I, I mean, everything they said in the beginning, I love, and I love that, uh, I mean, the whole idea of content marketing and helping companies do that, and if Washington Post is going to do that, and then basically do the opposite of what the title is, they're actually selling advertising, it's called native advertising, into their own uh, channels. I mean I like some of that but I, I mean I think I talked about this a few episodes ago. I think the business model behind media companies doing this is not um, cannot be a large part of their revenue stream. It certainly isn't going to replace their traditional advertising channels. It's not going to replace their events. And the the, the challenge I have, I and mean, you tell me if I'm on the wrong track here. The challenge is is that They have a a trust-based channel. Everything's built on that. And then what they're doing is they're reaching out to big brands saying, okay, well, you can tell your story. We'll help you tell it. But we've got to be very careful because we cannot um, hurt the trust that we've built with our audience. It is very difficult for editors, the, the content studio, and the enterprise marketer to work with each other on something that actually makes an impact because, I mean, it's very, very difficult to do this well. And it's very difficult to scale. We haven't, I mean, how many times have we talked about BuzzFeed? This was going to be the future BuzzFeed. And by the way, BuzzFeed's done very well, but it hasn't done as well in Native as they thought they were because it's very difficult. You only have so much space. And really what you want to do, if you are the leaders of the Washington Post, or BuzzFeed or anyone else is you want to create proprietary products and services that you can scale and build and sell directly to customers instead of this middle ground product that it's sort of advertising, but sort of not. Um, I don't know. I mean, I i don't, I don't know. Where do you stand on the whole thing?
1: Here's where I stand on the whole thing. I, I, I really, you know, th- there is a balance here, right? Just, to, just to our, our discussion that we just had about the evolution of real estate in the business model of of media companies, there is an evolution of the business model of how do you serve uh, those who would sponsor your content, right? Your benefactors to take it all the way back, right? (laughs) You know, who are your, who are your benefactors that are sponsoring your ability to create valuable content for the public at large. And the monetization of that, of that benefactor is, is, is where any media company scales, right? So you either, so you can monetize one of two things. You can monetize the content or you can monetize the audience. And, the traditional model is to monetize your audience because you're, you know, you're putting ads, you know, you're giving the brand, the ability to reach an audience that they otherwise quote unquote, wouldn't have the ability to reach. And so you, you know, you give them a little bit of real estate and you say, you can reach our audience on a very timely basis and blah, blah, blah. It matches your needs and et cetera, et cetera. And when you monetize the content, what you're saying is, Hey, we've got a trusted brand. And we create great content under that brand, and you can leverage that. You can, you know, be part of that. And so we'll stick our logo on the top of a piece of content, and we'll stick your logo at the po- a piece of again, you know, okay? Or or we'll ghostwrite it for you, or whatever it is, and we'll put that out into the world, and people will, you know, people will associate our two brands together, and you'll get the benefit of the creation of that content and that value with that audience reaching that audience. And we get the you know, and you get the halo of the Washington Post brand around you. Yeah, they they depend on each other; they absolutely depend on each other. And so, to your point about that, you know, they they are going to have to be very careful about this because you break that trust with the one side, and all of a sudden, it's broken with another. And we've seen media companies do this, right, where they've they've lost the trust with their audience, and therefore. Anything they create from a custom content perspective or a native advertising perspective, nobody cares because the trust is gone. So the value, the value is truly in the brand. As we'll, t- funny enough, we'll we'll talk about this a little later in the show. But the the value is in the the Washington Post brand, and so. I, I agree with you that this can never be sort of the major part of their business because it will always it needs to be a supporting part. It needs, to, you know, the main, you know, so the the question is, do you right size the business to make this the 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 you know, the, the biggest supporting pillar or do you fix the business in a way That creates the, you know, and this is really what New York times has decided to do is really focus in on subscriptions as the major model of revenue and supplement what they're doing, you know, from the, from the agency side. So I think it's always going to be a supporting part of it. Um, The biggest piece I see missing from all of this, and I just see it over and over and over again with our clients is that. Their view of creation of content is they need to figure out how this affects their strategy, how it affects their brand strategy, how it affects their sales strategy, how it affects their loyalty strategy. And quite frankly, these brand studios that are launching from all of these companies do a really bad job of that. They basically say, here's a, you know, th- th- what they all ostensibly say is, We're awesome. We're the Washington Post. We're the New York Times. We're Condé Nast. We're CNN. We're whatever. We've got awesome content creation prowess. You should Mm -hmm. probably do that. And they don't solve the strategy problem. They don't solve the, how am I going to help this business achieve a goal? And without that strategy component there, in terms of how you're going to fix my goal, uh, this becomes... You know, nothing more than, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, what, you know, the freelancer networks that we see, the agencies that we see that are hiring content providers, it's just a commodity, right? It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just a commodity at the end of the day that I hire to get content done. You hit the nail on the head with that because
0: they, I mean, you hear We can help you. We're WAPO. We can help you tell your story better. Why is that important? Right. (laughs) Tell me why I should be telling my story better. Then here's the other thing they do a bait and switch. And I know all about this cuz I was part of this process in the past. Is you'll say, "Oh, us at X brand, you get we are the top, we know this industry better than anyone else. We are the top content creators in this industry." And they say, "Okay, I want to work with your editor." "Oh no. You can't work with our editor. You have to work with our content team, which is not the editorial team." Remember that, right? Like when you work with Washington Post, you aren't working with any Washington Post journalists that work on regular stories. You've got and so so basically, when they say we can help you tell your story better, uh, you can say, "Well, can you?" <laughs> yeah, right, right. And I'm not saying they're not great. I mean, they are all have have their expertise, but are you getting something different? No. So here's what it comes back to, and you made this perfect point. This is, this is it, right? You're Washington Post, and if you believe that you have a finite level of trust with your readers, every time you do a native advertising project like this, you slice off a piece of that trust. That's right. And then you do another one, and a little bit more comes off, and a little bit more, and then by the end, you have no more trust left. Now, that's the, a horrible way to view it. Well, it's a cynical way to describe it, it. For sure. Yeah. But it's, yeah.
1: but it's, but it's, it, it really depends on who you, who you partner with, right? Because guess what? When you do that native advertising piece, you not only, the, the, the brand not only gets the benefit of the, the Washington Post brand, but the Washington Post gets the stink of the brand. That <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. exactly right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, oh, I mean, we could go on on this forever, yeah. but. Yeah. So I, I, I think I agree with you. Yeah, you can have it be some part of the revenue stream, but never think, I don't know how you could make this a, a priority as a revenue stream in any media company.
1: Yeah. Now, here's the one thing it's I will hard. say for this and, and really what the focus of this piece is, is they're building a business around this idea of purpose. You know what I mean? So, so basically, it's it's what this is more of a campaign than sort of a business model. What they're talking about here, which is they're really going to focus in on the, you know, a, a purpose with a capital P, right? You know, sort of like you know what brands are doing to help the coronavirus yeah. spread, what they're helping to do with the Good social justice, pieces. exactly. Yeah. So. PSAs, there is sort of, yeah. There is a little more room to run there, let's put it that way, than there is typically in, in what we see in native advertising programs. Be part of the solution. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah it's, it's almost like yeah, the way we used to do it 30 years ago, the way we used to do special sections. Yeah. We're going to do a special section on this cause, and would you be a part of this? We'll give you a full-page ad and an article that will help
1: you write. Right. It's Which, you know. by the way, if you're a brand and you believe in that, you go, wow, that's a really cool idea that the Washington Post is doing. We should explore that. Yeah, you should also go explore buying your local newspaper and doing the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, because you're probably spending an
1: equivalent amount of money. Exactly. So, there There you go. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, now, I mean, very uh, <laughs> well into our show. Uh, yeah, we, briefly cover <laughs> these other articles for three getting, seconds. Yeah, we're getting into our second segment, which we've got a couple of articles here that we can cover. Um, that are just articles that Joe and I found around the web um, that really get to uh, interest us. The first one comes to us from What's New in Publishing? Every time I see that site, I always think of Jerry Seinfeld coming out and going, What's the deal with publishing? (laughs) (laughs) What's up with that? (laughs) Anyway, awesome. so what's new in publishing? And the article's headline is, once you come to rely on it, you won't unsubscribe. How publishers are using audio stories to fuel engagement and generate revenue. Article opens up by saying, the increasing popularity of podcasts has encouraged publishers to expand their audio offerings. Many have introduced audio versions of articles. These are generally embedded above the text and allow readers the flexibility to consume articles by reading or listening. The goal is to give busy readers an easier way to keep themselves updated. They can consume audio articles while doing daily chores. We conducted user research and learned that users want to stay informed but are busy, said Emily Chow, director of site product, The Washington Post. There we go. Uh, Told The Wall Street Journal's Katie Dighton. So they appreciate an option to get up to speed on the latest news developments while cooking dinner, running errands, or exercising. Audio is a very effective retention tool, say these folks. And the article goes on to provide a few examples of how The Economist, The New York Times, and a bunch of others have sort of transformed and added audio as a consumption method to more traditional articles. What do you think about this? You know, it's just, we were talking about it before
0: the show, how quickly this happened. And, And quick, I mean, there's been, podcasts have been around for 20 years now, so this is not a new thing, but let's just look at audio. So how fast for many people, audio has become the preferred way to get their information. Yeah. Whether that's through podcasts, through, and now there's a whole section, which is intriguing because, you know, we talked about this, um, shoot, this is probably 15 years ago at Pent Media, we were trying to figure out a way to make, easily make all the articles in the different verticals at Pent Media, business-to-business business publisher, how to make them in audio form. But there wasn't a great... Like we could do them. We, we couldn't do them the way they're doing them now, synthetically. So we'd have to get a narrator and then... What's the mechanism that people can listen to that? There there was no iTunes at the time, so that wasn't going to happen. Well, now you can do all this. So it's interesting that you have all these publishers, publishers meaning media companies and non-media companies, able to create audio versions of all their textual articles and that those audio articles are being consumed at a higher level in some cases than the textual articles. Yeah. So it's just, it's just fascinating how qu- quickly this happens. And then when you come back to monetization and you're looking at advertising just the way that we do where it's endemic and we talk about the product and we personalize it and it's, it's a lot different than just throwing in your 30 second spots.
1: Um, it's a lot more valuable. Yeah, I, you know, and, and it's and it's one of those things where it's not difficult, right? It's a very easy thing to do. I've been considering doing it for for our website for sure, um, and our blog, and just adding a you know a quick audio version. There are actually apps now that you can get that will that will actually read, a, you know, a text file that you put up there. I don't. Yeah, think what's that- this
0: one they talk about? Autumn. Autumn. Yeah, a U
1: D right. M is used
0: by the New Yorker, Wired, Rolling Stone. Subscribers pay seven ninety nine per month.
1: Yeah. I, I don't like it. I I I, I, I don't like the uh, the synthetic. It, it's still a little too uncanny valley for me. Um, you know, I where it sounds like the lady at the airport, the white zone is for loading and unloading only, right? Welcome to the New York Times. You know, I I, I find that just a little off putting. I much prefer a regular human voice, but it's just not that hard to do a regular human voice on these things. And like you say, it provides an opportunity to add some context that you might not otherwise add. Now, that obviously adds work. But to me, it's a fantastic idea um, to add dimension to what it is you're doing from a content creation perspective. I, Mm -hmm. I really like this idea a lot. Well, by the way, I mean,
0: we mentioned the synthetic one, but there's two other ones they mentioned, Curio and Noah. That offer audio versions narrated by voice artists. Oh, so, they do. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now that's an interesting So that might be something you're you're into where I would want like Mr. T. Like
1: <laughs> here's your article. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker? I don't know. Oh my god. See, that's funny. That's that's that's, that's good comedy I, right that, there that, to have celebrities. I wanted,
0: well, that's how I wanted drive the driving, the the maps. Like yeah. Google Maps or Apple Maps right. to be in like a Mr. T.
1: Right, like,
0: why'd you take that right turn, <laughs> sucker? You know that's what I want. You get don't uh, say don't say recalculating. Say you're an idiot. What are you doing?
1: The the get get Sean Connery to do to do it. Oh right? yeah, yeah. the, the increasing Connery. popularity of podcasts has encouraged <laughs> publishers. <laughs> It's uh, That's the one impression I can do. Oh, that's Sean a good Connery. one. I yeah. like you, Sean Connery. Yeah. All right. Let's move along, shall we, to our last story here, uh, which is uh, one that is kind of a comedy, uh, a little bit of a, a – it comes to us courtesy of MIT Technology Review. Uh, and it's one that's in the news a lot. It's uh, We've talked about it a lot, and the headline is, TikTok Made Him Famous. Now he's imagining a world without it. Internet creators have never been able to trust the platforms they rely on. There were only a couple of guys out there talking about that, too. Um, anyway, the article opens up by saying, by the way, huge a huge hat tip here to James Gardner, friend and family of the show, hey James, who sent thanks. this over yep. via the hashtag. Uh, and the article opens up by saying, Ryan Beard was sitting in front of his keyboard taking song requests on a live stream on the last Friday of July When he saw a message from a viewer pop up in the chat, TikTok is officially getting banned. Uh, Beard, 22, who has more than 1.8 million followers on TikTok, he spent a year growing that following, throwing everything he had into a career as an online creator with the app as his anchor, the Twitch thing was his new, uh, the Twitch thing was new, his audience there much, I was written like an MIT grad, um, anyway, the <laughs> Twitch thing was new. Which
0: engineer wrote this thing? Yeah.
1: <laughs> the Twitch thing was new, his audience there much smaller. Now, while dozens of people looked on, he was trying to process the possibility he could lose it all. Is it really, he said, continuing to stream from his family home in Kansas? No, please tell me it's not true. He turned to his computer, searched for news coverage, finding a headline. Trump says he will ban TikTok. If he has to search for that, this guy is like really living under a rock. Anyway, the article goes on to talk about how TikTok's, uh basically... Um, the impending ban, unless they get bought by somebody, cough Microsoft, uncough, um, or you know the YouTubes or others, and these uh, internet creators are finding that temporary social media platforms are not most dependable business models. What say you, Joe Polizzi? Is this just another yeah? Well, sign? The, you
0: know, I mean, we talked about Microsoft and TikTok last time, and then it switched to Twitter. And then um, now, uh, yesterday, as we record this, it was Oracle is in the mix on it. So there's a lot of people uh, in the mix on this one. So it should be interesting. But I mean, this is, this is first of all, somebody like uh, Mr. Beard creating an amazing platform for them, for their particular audience on a TikTok or YouTube or whatever is to be commended. It's not easy to do that. So they did a great job. The problem is, is this happens to brands all the time. They go in there and they try to build this big audience on this platform. And they have no strategy to move from rented land to something that they have more control over. And how many years do we need to talk about this? Right. And this is the thing. I mean, why would Ryan Beard know that if he builds a, a um, any type of audience – on TikTok that that might go away someday because he doesn't have control over that connection to his audience. I mean, how many... And I get it, right? No, Nobody would know this unless you're in the business. But yet, we have a lot of marketers that continue to do this and we're like, oh, I had no idea that Google Plus was going to go away and where are my 50,000 <laughs> connections going to go and that was such a waste of a million dollars. Yeah. Like, you didn't see that coming. Nice job, marketer. So anyways, it goes. this is the same thing. I hope he figures this out. Ryan, use whatever time you have left. Maybe it'll stay. Maybe it won't. Whatever. To start building your... And, what, and here's what the thing he did. You, if you kept on reading, he was all like, oh my God, it's going to go away after he did that Google search. Then what does he do? He says, please follow me on my other social channels. Idiot. No. <laughs> you don't do that. Here, sign up for my newsletter where you can get the latest whatever, exclusive whatever from me. That's what you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have less sympathy for those folks than you do because what it tells me is, is that they, they're, they're not, they're, they don't appreciate the, the, the rest of, of, of what they have to do. Right. In other words, they, they, they look at the business that they're creating simply as being them on a platform, YouTube or TikTok or Twitter or whoever, yeah. and they don't look at the implications of that. And I mean, the fact that he, you know, here is the platform that is the basis, the foundation of his business, um, something that is really important to him. And the fact that he didn't know that this was going on, you know, I mean, I've shut off news almost full stop, you know, other than sort of headline alerts that I get from, you know, New York Times and, and a few others that I subscribe to. And I knew this was going on and I didn't have to go Google it, you know, and I'm not on TikTok. Um, and so I'm actually I have an account on TikTok, but I have not used TikTok. Let's be clear. Um, so. The fact that he didn't that this took him by surprise the, the the part that's annoying is that that it took him by surprise, right that, well, I guess
0: if you're getting yeah if you're getting in bed and this is going to be your business, you better know. I better understand what yeah. the what what may may or may not happen here, right? I don't think there was a business plan of no, you know, that think. part where you get to challenges that this model might might not work. That would be TikTok might be banned in the United States or get sold or discontinue oh, right. entirely. Fair enough. Yeah. Was not part of was not part of the
1: business plan. No, right. Ryan, I'm sure, did not stand up in front of a bunch of venture capitalists on a Friday afternoon giving a PowerPoint about how his TikTok channel might, uh, what the risks were to investing in his TikTok channel. I, 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 I'm fairly certain of that, yes. Fairly certain, yeah. yes. I think that's a 100% certainty <laughs> level. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of business models and being fairly certain of things, we have a wonderful sponsor we should talk a little bit about.
0: Absolutely. Did you know that it is the 10th anniversary of content marketing world, Robert? Did you know I, this?
1: I I did. I I was made aware of this. Yes.
0: Do you remember the first content marketing world? Oh, in 2011? Like, it, like it
1: was yesterday. Oh,
0: we were hoping for 100, 150 people. We got over 600 from like, I don't know, 20 or 25 countries, and I could not believe it. We were all very happy. And now, nine years later, 10 years later, was it nine? It would be nine years. It would be 10 years later. How does that work on a calendar basis? Doesn't matter because I'm not the calendar guy. <laughs> content Marketing World is October 13th to 16th, 2020. Amazing lineup. It is the event for content marketing. Of course, it's a little different this year because It's virtual. And, you know, we're we're making they're making decisions for your safety. But uh, it's amazing the things that the CMW team is doing to make sure that this is a truly valuable and one of a kind event. Uh, I encourage you to go check out the amazing speakers, some uh, some rock star keynotes. The agenda is top notch. Go ahead and check it out. I think Robert Rose and Joe Polizzi will be speaking there. And yes, I do talk in the third person sometimes. Uh, and if you want $100 off, use code PNR100, that's PNR100, to get your $100 off and um, send multiple members of your team, folks. There's great team rates, which I think is on the registration page. It'll tell you if you sign up multiple members of your team, you get big discounts. So contentmarketingworld.com, the code is PNR100.
1: It's an amazing thing. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to push the envelope of, of all of these sort of formats and the way that we do, which is really hard with all the external speakers that we have. And, and it's just a very, very challenging thing, but we're, we're doing some cool things and, um, have learned a lot over the last couple of months in doing the events that we've been doing. So I think it's going to be a really interesting week, um, of, of fun, not only just, you know, great learning, but great fun and great, uh, great people too. Yeah. I mean, the best community in the world. Yeah. Oh, Content no Marketing doubt about it.
0: World community. You got no
1: it. doubt about it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on now to your empirically proven favorite part of our show, which of course is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we're getting our mail on time or something that makes us feel like we're opening up the mailbox to an empty box. Which is happening to me a lot more these days, I will tell you. The mail's really not working well these days.
0: Well, I wonder why when they're taking away the mail receptacles.
1: Ah, uh, don't but, even get me started yes. on the whole thing. Okay. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Constitutional. It's not uh, It's not supposed to be a business. <laughs> right? Anyway. What do you do?
0: Uh, do you go out to where the receptacle was and you lay, you lay down the letter on the ground and you say a prayer, you'd spin around twice, <laughs> and you hope...
1: I say a little prayer for you forever, forever, forever. Oh, wow. This has been the really weird pop culture show. Okay. So uh, would you like to go first, my friend, or shall I go first? I will. Yeah. Our, mine's uh, quick.
0: I, I know we have already expended our allotment of time here, but uh, I shared this on uh, my newsletter, the random newsletter, but I wanted to share it with the uh, this old marketing audience. And if you've been on social media, which I have a little bit and you have too, Robert, you've saw, seen this. The biggest hit of the last month has been uh, "Twins," the new trend. And just about every day, you've got two twin brothers. They sit down and listen to a song they've never heard before, and of course, we get to watch their reaction. Now, on July twenty seventh, that song was "In the Air Tonight" by Phil Collins. So you need to go if you haven't seen this. Go find the video "Twins," the new trend, Phil Collins. Whatever you need to Google, and go to the there see their reaction of the drum. Solo breakout in uh, in that song at 4:56, the 4:56 mark. It's fantastic. They're like, "Whoa!" and it's awesome. Now the song has gone completely viral. They've got I don't know five million views and fifteen thousand comments or whatever they've got. But the import so that this stuff happens all the time on YouTube and TikTok. But this is what I like, and this is what we talk about. As you know, as our listeners know, viral happens after delivering valuable content for a long period of time. Now, the Twins have been producing videos for over a year now. This was not just one thing they tried. Uh, Many of the videos just have a couple hundred views, Robert. So if you go look all the way back in the years, they were just trying, experimenting, finding their voice and their story. Now now they've gone internet famous. They've got over five, uh, I think it's 400,000 subscribers on YouTube. And I just wanted to call this out as my rave because... Everyone thinks that, oh, I can do this viral thing and um, it'll work and I'll get this big audience, but it generally doesn't happen that way. You have to produce consistent content over a long period of time. That's what they did. And then they had their big hit breakthrough and then everything has just taken off from there and they've gotten interviewed on CNN and all the kinds of stuff. So if you get a chance, check it out.
1: It's really fun. It's There's wholesome. A lot of other it's great so wholesome. Songs. I mean, I, yeah. I, I love those guys so much. I, I've, I've watched, a, a, I don't know how many episodes of their little show that I've watched, you know, them react to songs. It's just the most wholesome thing, right? I mean, you could just they, their love for music is just so pure and, and it's it's great. I, I and they're smart. Yeah, yeah. oh, they're, they're smart. They like smart. oh, I
0: love that. What well, love what they did with that guitar and that reminds me of this performer. And they'll yeah. do little cuts like that. And then when when they are in awe, you can see that they've been struck. And that's what happens in the song. Oh, by the way, um, we didn't mention it because of Twins, the new trend in the air tonight it was back on the charts.
1: Yeah, by Phil Collins. Oh, it's that's interesting. Bill. I did not know yeah, that. It went yeah. back
0: on the Billboard charts.
1: That's really interesting. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, oh, yeah. they they got they got bright careers ahead of them. Those kids, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. All right. So. Um, I have uh, a bit of a rave actually. Um, oh, it's to a pos- it's a positive show. It's turned it, to a positive. It really show. has. Yay! Um, <laughs> <coughs> Yay!
0: Yay!
1: Well, I should do the whole thing as Sean Connery. <laughs> um, where are my shoes and my glasses? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, about, I don't even know if you remember this, uh, but three years ago, we covered um, a acquisition. Um, the acquisition of High Times Magazine. Um, when uh, high times magazine was having mm-hmm. trouble and it was yeah. bought by a investment group here in Los Angeles. And we were like, this is interesting because we'll see what happens, what they're going to do with this. They can turn it into events. They can turn it into, you know, a better media company. They can start to productize it. Well, three years later, here we go. Um, by the way, I want to hat tip this to a few folks who sent this over via the hashtag. Of course, our friend Bethany who sent this over, but um, others also sent it over via email as well. <laughs> I guess people are have a little bit of a alert set up for high time. I wouldn't. I don't know why they would yeah, necessarily. Exactly.
0: Everything. Oh my god! Yeah. There's
1: 27 listeners that uh, sent us the high time. Uh, exactly. So, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually did see it in my news alerts as well. But basically, high times holding um, the one who bought it three years ago um, here in Los Angeles, has now purchased 13 active and planned retail dispensaries um, from Harvest Health and Recreation for $80 million in cash, giving the company an almost instant foothold in California's cannabis market. So here you go. I mean, this is th- this is your Content Inc. model. This is it. Just, oh, I'm using this example in the new book. It's, it's exactly such... It's so- perfect right it's so beautiful you take a media brand you build an audience you build in you know both sides of that audience you monetize that you get good at events you get good at your platforms and now you just start productizing it and then and now i mean just wait you're going to start to see high times retail stores um emerge in at least 13 locations and probably more over time um an existing great brand um, that has instant brand recognition is totally valuable and a, and a trusted and a trusted brand and a trusted in that market exactly a trusted yeah. brand with an audience that already believes in it has gotten value out of its content and guess what that's going to do to product sales it's just it's 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 just a beautiful model um, you know and it just works, uh, you know. I mean, I'm going to be very interested to visit this over the next couple of years to see how they how they do. You know, how you'll how, be visiting this. You'll be visiting. I'll, the you know, I might make a field trip or two. You never know. Uh, so it's uh, purely, yeah, purely, purely research uh, business, based Purely, business, yes, yeah. I exactly. just need to deconstruct this business model a little bit. It's your, maybe as well, I deconstruct a few brain cells along the way.
0: The uh, listeners, I mean, they implore us to do our jobs.
1: That's right. To help them. That so is So we're
0: going to. Help them.
1: This is what we do ourselves for you. Frankly. This is yeah. this is all for you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, so that's my rave. That's my that's rave good. this weekend. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Stuff. That's a good one. Yeah. That's definitely being added to the list of, of examples. What the, uh, the new What do you have? Um, what do you have on tap this week?
0: Uh you know, now that the kids are are settled and and going both remote school. Um, you know we're we're just we're just trying to figure out what life is going to look like here. I mean, I've got you know I've got a lot of work things. I'm getting ready for my content marketing world keynote. I've got a couple uh, other virtual keynotes coming up. So from that perspective, I'm working on the new version of Content Inc. as I just talked about. Uh, that's due in October because that'll come out in spring of. Uh, 2021, so I'm keeping myself busy on that. A lot of a lot of stuff with Orange Effect going on right now. I'm not ready to mention our fall winter fundraising project. I'm very excited about it, but I'll do that in the next couple of weeks. When uh, as soon as I get the, the board needs to approve it. So as soon as the board approves it, in mid September. I'll I'll announce it to everyone, but I'm very excited about that as well. So what do you got going on?
1: I have uh, an extremely busy week. Um, We are just in the midst of two very large client engagements at the moment. Um, So I have my heads down in deliverables and research and all sorts of things. Um, You know, speaking of deconstructing business models. So it's been a busy week. But other than that... Just honestly, trying to get to the beach as many times as we can because it's been hot here. It's just been so so hot. So, trying to get to the beach and relax a little, and you know, and uh, and plan- We're planning a little thing for Labor Day, you know, so a little getaway. So you know, trying to trying to think about that too.
0: Well, it looks like you have thirteen high times.
1: Stores. <laughs> well to, to you know do the tour i'm on. not sure they're quite open just yet um you know but uh uh when they become open we might make a might make yeah. a trip there you go absolutely you go. all cool. right well ladies and gentlemen that is it that is it for episode number 243. Uh, you know, if you like the show and you're enjoying the show, we just want you to do two things. we we got two that we, you know, I usually talk about shiny subscriptions and all that kind of, no, I got two, two requests from your old pals, Joe and Robert. One, go to iTunes, take two minutes, go to iTunes and just write a quick review and, and write a review on us. Cause that's apparently what really helps. So go to iTunes and review and two, just share it with one friend. Share, pick one friend and say, "You got to listen to this show. See what you like. See and pick and, the you, one friend that yeah. you really hate. That's right. <laughs> right, so they can hate. Send listening. it to them. Yeah, right. Yes. Um, so just do those two things, and that would be awesome as we try and uh, improve our rankings a bit. And as you know, if you're a frequent listener of the show, if you're a new listener of the show, we publish twice a month now, so every other week, um, so you can look forward to that. And um, if you want more of Joe in the meantime, you can get that at his lovely, beautiful website that I've been looking at because I've been looking to refresh my own little website, um, JoePolizzi.com, and he's got a newsletter there that is just fantastic called, the is it called The Random or just random. random? Yeah, it's just called The Random newsletter. It's fantastic. Um, It's really, really good. As for me, uh, if you're looking for more things on content strategy, content marketing, deconstructing business models, all that stuff, check uh, us out at contentadvisory.net. Hashtag us up, won't you, on social media when you write that review, when you share it with a friend, story ideas. We love those things. Hashtag us up at hashtag thisoldmarketing on the Twitter. Um, And, of course, everything we talked about will be in the show notes that we'll publish later with the show, of course, and on Until we meet again in a couple of weeks, remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing.